1: Welcome to Beyond the Call, the podcast in which we talk about topics that help churches and ministries protect what God has called them to lead. Today we want to talk about the topic of 501c3 status, or what may be better known as federal tax-exempt status, which is available to nonprofit organizations, churches included. And joining us today is Amy Manderscheid, who's our Vice President of Operations here at Start Church. Thanks for being here, Amy.
2: Thank you so much for having me, Bruce. I'm really looking forward to this. Um I think it's going to be really fun to talk through some of these important topics for nonprofit organizations.
1: Well, you've got a wealth of knowledge. I remember coming and asking you questions over and over again when I first joined Start Church here. So, let's just get right down to what is 501c3 status. Let's say I'm new to church planting and I don't know anything. Just start from scratch. What does 501c3 mean?
2: That's a really great question, Bruce, and it's one we get a lot. So section 501c3 refers to a part of the Internal Revenue Code that the IRS uses to put regulations on organizations. So this exemption is available for churches, nonprofits, and other organizations to be exempt from paying income taxes on the donations that are that are brought into the organization. Um, so this can be used for charities, private foundations, and other type of operations. Uh, nonprofits
1: okay so what are the benefits of being 501c 3 approved I mean you named being free of income tax but tell me a little bit more on that note
2: yeah there's a lot of really good benefits out there I feel like I could talk about this for days but I'll kind of hit on a few of them so I think the most important one is that if, if you're working with a 501c3 organization you have the ability for your your contributions from your donors to be wrote off as um, as write-offs basically on on your tax returns um, and it's important that a donor, when they're giving money to those organizations, that they know that and they have that that security of where they're giving their money. Um, what, what that does is takes the burden of proof away from the individual and puts that on the, on the organization so they feel confident knowing that they're going to be able to use that money as a tax write-off. Um, some of the other ones that are a little less common but still just as important um, is grant funding. So a lot of organizations, nonprofits, they want to be able to receive grants and fundings from organizations that are offering that, but a lot of people think that just because they're a nonprofit, they're not going to be able to receive that. And that's just simply not true. So a lot of them want to say, you know, are are you a 501c3 organization? And if you are, we do have grants and funding available for you. And another one of those, uh, that's come up recently is nonprofit mailing rates. So when you work with denominations or other organizations, you want to make sure that you're advertising. So people know that you that you exist and when your services are, where mm-hmm. you guys are. And when you're mailing out two and 3000 pieces of mail at a time, that can get pretty pricey. Yeah. Um, so a lot of the times you can get uh, discount mailing rates. So that's another great benefit. Um, we found out now, you know, the church is really coming into the digital age. There's social media, there's advertisement and everything. Um, and we found places like Google AdWords will actually give you discounts if you, if you are a 501c3 organization. I didn't know that. Yeah, and that, you know, we're in an age where, where that happens all the time. Churches have to have a media presence. So why not take advantage of some discounts with that? Um, and another one of the, the couple big ones is, you know, our First Amendment right in the Constitution, um, you want to protect that as an organization and you mm. have your, fr- your freedom of religion. So by forming these documents and putting everything together at the state level, you have the ability to say, these are my documents, this is who we are, and the IRS has seen our documents, the states have seen our documents, and we know what we're doing. And this really, you know, goes a long way with the governments. There's even been different court cases. Um, there's one called Bernstein versus Ocean Grove, um, where the organization didn't have the religious language in their documents, and they actually were, they, um, they they're, they're status was forfeited because they were asked to do something they didn't want to do. They were formed as a secular organization, whereas maybe that would have gone a little bit differently had they had that information in their documents. So, you know, I, I, like I said, I feel like I could talk about this all day. There are a lot of really good benefits, but so those are some of the, the core ones that we feel like are really important.
1: Well, you know, another one that sometimes comes up is with state sales tax exemption. Some That's states, um, obviously not every state even offers it, but the ones that do, some of them require that you have a 501c3 in huge. order to avoid the sales tax mm-hmm. in states so they do and,
2: and it comes up with property tax, franchise tax there's a lot of different benefits there.
1: There's a lot of dominoes that are kind of hanging off of that one then
2: Absolutely. So
1: Absolutely. does a church need to be 501c3 approved?
2: well i would say that depends on who you ask um so according to according to state law no a church doesn't have to be there's no law that says that they do but here at start church we kind of we kind of feel like they need to um and there's there's a lot of good reasons there so when when you go through the five hundred one C three process, a big point of that is is getting the educational piece that Start Church offers. Um, we have we have software and we have consultants that walk through everything that say, you know, this is what you are supposed to do as a nonprofit organization to stay in compliance with the IRS. Um, now a lot of people come back and say, well, I was told that with Section five hundred eight C one A, I actually am exempt as a church organization, and that's true. But what, what they don't really say is that just because you don't hold 501c3 status doesn't mean you don't have to act like a 501c3 yeah. organization. So the IRS says... If we're going to grant you this extension that you don't have to pay income taxes, we want you to meet these requirements. Right. Um, and they expect that you know what that is. So we really value that educational piece in knowing what that is because they still assume that you are. Um, you know, And a lot of organizations, you know, we've I can't even tell you the number of times it's happened where somebody will call and say, I've got somebody ready to donate a million dollars, but I have to have my 501c3 status. Yeah. Can you get that done for me in a week? And that's really hard to do. So why not go ahead and get that done now? That way you don't have to answer that question. You can take that money with confidence your donor's going to get their deduction, and that's all taken care of.
1: Yeah, a lot of people tell me on the phone when I'm talking to pastors, "Hey, people itemize, or people don't itemize their deductions anymore. They don't care about the write-off. People give from the goodness of their heart, and that's that's fine. And that could be true. But you're right. There's some people they have to. It's part of their fiscal strategy. They have to see that they can Absolutely. actually get the deduction, so they, they need do. the 501c3.
2: And to a lot prove of these that. big corporations, they want to see it in writing. They yeah. want to see it on paper before they give money to organizations. You're exactly right. You know, and they're. Um, with church organizations, it's pretty rare for a church to lose their tax-exempt status once they have it, but there was a court case, and I believe it was settled in, in, in the year 2000, but um, Branch Ministries versus Rosati, um, but this organization, they actually were founded, they were engaging in political activities, and the court ruled that they were going to revoke their status as of the year that they started the activities with the political campaigns. No way. But instead of... If, but they didn't go all the way back to their incorporation date. So that organization was actually able to keep their 501c3 status up until when that occurred, which means the people who made those donations were still able to use that as a write-off. So that's huge. Um, and that was actually the first case where a church did lose their 501c3 status. So it doesn't happen often, but again, that goes back to if they had never been through a program like ours, they wouldn't have known that engaging in politi- political activity is frowned upon and not, is not yeah. compliant. So that, that's another one of those big educational pieces there.
1: Well, and you're definitely giving some incentive to to come talk to one of our specialists here. And definitely just the wealth of knowledge that you have and the whole team has so valuable.
2: Yeah, we have um, a great team here.
1: You know, we we oftentimes just are able to dispel some of the misconceptions. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of conspiracy theories out, there. out there. There's a lot of people that are afraid and and with a real heart towards the Lord, they wanna say, Hey, I wanna preserve this calling, I wanna preserve this vision. Mm-hmm. Am I gonna somehow, you know, lose the ability to do that or the ability to remain biblical, if I go 5 one 3 a lot of misconceptions. Can you kind of speak to some of those?
2: Yeah, there, there's a couple of big ones exactly hitting on what you just said. The one that I hear the most is, you know, I don't want the government to be able to tell me what I can teach and preach. Yeah. And that is just simply not true. You know, that's not anywhere in the code. Um, you know, when, when the Lord calls you to to be a pastor or to work within these organizations, you know, he has a plan. He, he had a plan for all of this, you know, and there's nothing in that 501c3 code that says that the government can't tell you what you can preach on, what you can't say. Mm. Um, you know, they have a couple big topic areas that they don't want you to hit on, such as political involvement, but you know, you're allowed to set your own sermons. They're not going to get involved in that business. Um, you know, and there's, they give you all of these, these abilities to collect this money, use it for, use it for the ministry. But a lot of people are just really fearful that that's what that means. And the government's just not interested in what you're preaching from, from the pulpit, you know, they just want to make sure they're more concerned about the money, not, Mm -hmm. not what it is that Mm -hmm. you're saying. So that's a big one. Um, Another one would, would be, you know, that they're worried about uh, participating in the activities. um, But nowhere does, again, does the church say anything about the activities that you can do. Mm -hmm. You're allowed to work uh, under your own, your own ideas and do your own activities and all all the things as a church the government doesn't want to be involved in that Um, You know, we really feel like there's a couple ways you can protect your organization from that if that is something that you're worried about. And uh, one of the big ones that we use is the prohibited activities clause. So this is something that that is unique to Start Church, but we want to outline in the bylaws of the organization that you're not going to condone or promote any activities that may go against the written doctrines of the organization. Um, And then we're also going to make sure that we give you some of those written doctrines that you can use as a template, as a guide. Um, You can write your own, but that's going to give you a sound foundation to say, you know, this is our organization. This is what we believe. This is what we will and won't do. And we have it in our foundational document. So that's gonna help structure what it is that you that you say you can and can't do.
1: Excellent. So a lot of times a pastor will say, Well, if I can't engage in anything political, does that mean I can't preach something that overlaps with a political topic? Right. And we're always talking to them about, you can preach the Word of God. There's exactly. no restrictions on that. The government's concerned that you don't take public funding, a.k.a. tithe and offering money, exactly. and use it to campaign, to for, campaign somebody. for somebody. To campaign for somebody. That's the
2: big difference. Is, is to say that the church takes a stance on a topic is is expected, because there are right. going to be topics that the church is going to, but but to put your backing to a particular candidate is where they get a little a little yeah. leery about that. They don't really want those lines to cross.
1: So how does a church know if they meet the IRS's criteria for Church status in the first place.
2: Yeah, that that one is tricky because the IRS doesn't actually have a definition of a church. Um, they use something that they call a fourteen fifteen point test, and if you write it out, it's actually fourteen slash fifteen point test.
1: Yeah, they don't even know how many points should be on the test. Right, they don't
2: even know. They can't even. They can't even <laughs> decide that. But there's a couple big points on this that they look for um, to know in. If, if you are a church organization, and this really is at the discretion of the person looking at, at the application, um, and some of the things that they look for is, you know, does your church have its own federal employer identification number? Um, do you have a, a government? Do you have a president or a, a governing body, I should say? Do you have a president? Do you have a board that helps you make those mm-hmm. decisions, or does your members do your members make those decisions? Um, do you have a formal code of doctrine? You know, they want to know, do you have a statement of faith that, you've, that you follow, um, whether it's from a denomination or, or your organization? independently. Um, Do you have an established place of worship? That's one of the big ones that we look for and people come to us and they say, I'm not really sure what I'm Mm going to be. Um, You know, we're going to say, well, are you going to meet in the same place at the same time? Um, Are you going to have a group of individuals or is it just family? So those are some of the things that we look for that the IRS tends to look for to find out if you are a church or are you a non-profit charity? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, they they don't typically use the word ministry. We use that in-house a little bit more, but the IRS kind of looks at you as a church or a non-church entity. But if you're not meeting in a place consistently, you don't have members, you don't have a growing congregation, you may not meet the requirements.
1: And there's nothing that's uh, any better or worse as far as the status. If a church can apply with the church label and they can get that, then that's great, but if not a ministry label, as we call it, mm-hmm. it's still a 501c3.
2: It absolutely is. The only difference is the the reporting requirements. So a ministry organization will be required to file that form 990, um, but church organizations are exempt from that. Um, so they're, you know, that's really the basic biggest difference. All of the, um, the compliance aspects are the same, the, the benefits are, are all the same, um, but just a matter of what they look for and what forms you file, that's really the biggest difference.
1: Well, you know, obtaining a 501c3 status is one of the most protective steps a church can take, not only for itself but for the donors. We talked about that, you know, the people want mm-hmm. that confidence that their donation is tax exempt. And so, we've actually got something here at Start Church called the Start Right service, and it takes the church all the way through both processes of incorporating at the state level but also getting the 501c3 approval at yeah. the at the federal level and um, we just invite you to give us a call. You can call us at 844 641 5718. Talk to one of the specialists here and get some information that will help you make the decision that's best for your vision and for the church that God's calling you to plan. Yeah. I just want to thank you, Amy. It's been amazing to hear just your wealth of knowledge, like I said, and uh, to get some of that understanding on what the 501C3 is. Well, we thank really you so much. It. And
2: it, it is, it's a lot of information, but it's something that we really are passionate about. So if it's something that, you know, our, our listeners don't really want to sit there and research, you don't have to. We've already done the work for you. So give us a call. We'll, we'll be happy to help you out.
0: Thank you for listening to Beyond the Call, brought to you by Start Church. If you have any questions about what you've heard today, please give us a call at 844-641-5718 or visit our website at startchurch.com. We hope you'll join us for the next episode of Start Church, Beyond the Call. Start Church has helped thousands of churches and ministries protect what God has given them to lead. Check out our website at startchurch.com or feel free to call at 844-641-5718. We would be honored to serve you.